Hi, this is Jerry Ball, and you're listening to The Grueling Truth. Welcome to The Grueling Truth's NFL Legends Show, brought to you by Gridiron Mo, an interactive football app where you get to call what you think the offense or defense should do during a live NFL game and see what all other fans have called also. Check out Gridiron Mo at www.gridironmo.com. I'm your host for The Legends Show, Mike Goodpaster, and I want to welcome in my co-host, as always, Matt Andrews-Cabbage. Thanks very much, Mike. Glad to be here today. Excited about doing another NFL Legends show. Well, um, this guy was one of the best defensive ends in all of football in the decade of the 1980s. Played for the Dallas Cowboys, won two Super Bowls. Help me welcome to the show, James Jeffcoat. Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? And oh, most we're people doing call real me good. Jim. Most people call me Jim. Okay, well, I'll call you James. No problem. Jim, but. Um, so when did you first start playing football? I started playing when I was a freshman in high school. And I wasn't very good. I wasn't, uh, uh, <laughs> I was pretty bad as a freshman in high school. And I just kept well, working at it and uh, got a little better. Well, you, let, you kind of lead me into, into, into my next question. Uh, I was going to ask you a little bit about your high school career. And uh, what led you to play uh, from there all the way to Arizona State? Well, um, yeah, I, my uh, parents didn't like me being awful, so uh, they would. Uh, <laughs> my mom actually would work with me in the backyard on learning how to tackle and how to use my hands on things, and and I worked after practice every day to get better. And um, uh, my sophomore year. I got a little better and started, and then by my junior year, I was a uh, full-time starter, and then by my senior year, I was getting recruited heavily um, in the, on the East Coast from New Jersey, and then I started getting recruited nationally. All right, so what led you to choose Arizona State? Um, honestly, um, what happened was it was a, a storm. It was a winter storm in New Jersey when I went to visit. And um, the weather was beautiful out there. It was 80 degrees, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I was swimming, and I was talking to my parents, and they were talking about how bad the weather was back east. And I said, wait a minute, I'm here swimming in February, and they're going through winter storms in uh, February. <laughs> I think this would be a good idea to come to uh, uh, Arizona. And then little did I know, that it was 115 in the summers. They didn't tell me that part. <laughs> <laughs> so your coach at Arizona State was Daryl Rogers. What was uh, what was your relationship like with him, and what was it like to play for him? Well, originally my coach was Frank Cush. Frank Cush recruited me out. He recruited a lot. He was from Lindbergh, Pennsylvania, and he was my original coach um, until the, I think it was sixth or seventh game of my freshman year. And then Bob Owens took as the intern, and then Darren Rogers took over my sophomore year. And I have a tremendous relationship with Coach Cush and Coach Rogers. I have a still have a very good relationship with both of them. All right, now you had a very successful career at Arizona State. You guys had a huge Fiesta Bowl win in 1982 over Oklahoma, Marcus Dupree. You want to talk a little bit about that game and maybe some of the highlights of your college career? Well, the uh, the funny thing about it was is that when we played them, we were on probation for three years. We had really good teams um, from my sophomore year until my senior year at Arizona State, but we were on three years probation, so we couldn't go to any bowl games uh, until my senior year. Uh, thinking back about the Oklahoma game, um, 
Barry Switzer was making some, uh, and I, I played for Barry in the NFL, but he was making some comments about how he didn't want to be in that Fiesta Bowl. And uh, it, he made it look like he was belittling us, so we took it out. We were the number one defense in the country at that time, so we had uh, very talented players on our team. And um, we took it as a slight, and we uh, made sure that Oklahoma felt the wrath of uh, the Sun Devils. All right, now most NFL fans, if you're a fan of history, uh, are pretty familiar with the famous 1983 NFL draft. They did a documentary about it on ESPN. Um, what was it like for you, uh, your de- draft day in 1983? Well, it was funny. Uh, two weeks before the draft, or actually a week before the draft, Gil Brandt called and told me that they were going to draft me. And I didn't. I hung up the phone because I thought somebody was playing a prank on me. <laughs> and I hung up the phone, and then he called back and said, don't hang up the phone. This is really Gil Brandt. And I'm just letting you know I picked you in a mock draft. And then I'm gonna pick you on um, um I'm gonna pick you on draft day. So I thought they were, you know, was, you know how those things go. People will tell you certain things because I had other teams call me and said that they were gonna draft me on that certain day. And uh I thought it was a big joke, somebody trying to play a joke on me. But uh he called me and told me on draft day I said he said, See, I told you I was gonna draft you. So it was funny. Uh, that was a, a funny story about it. And another funny story is is that my um, high school defensive coordinator was a huge Cowboy fan. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up on the Jersey Shore, and I was a Giants fan. So I despised the Cowboys at that time <laughs> when I was growing up. And I said, I, I, and he always would tell me that I was going to be drafted by the Cowboys someday. And I, I said, nah, I wouldn't. I said, if I'm drafted by the Cowboys, I'm going to hang myself. So the day of the draft, he called me and said, hey, where did I send the news at? <laughs> Good thing you didn't use it, right? That's exactly right. Well, you, you get to the Cowboys. You played for the legendary Tom Landry. Um, what was it like playing for him? It was interesting. Um, Coach Landry designed the defense and the offense. He designed everything that we did. So he, And there used to be a saying to, to perfect playing in his style of offense and defense. It took you five years and uh, because he had a, a unique defense in the flex and he did all the hitches on offense and he had the shotgun and things like that. So you had to really study it. It was interesting. It was fascinating, his, uh, just his genius. Because when we went into meetings, we had three or four hour meetings on uh, Mondays because he would critique every position. He would no one else would talk to him, and he critiqued every defensive lineman, every linebacker, every DB, and the same thing on offense. He'd do every every position: wide receivers, uh, quarterback, offense, uh, the running backs, and everything. So offensive linemen, and it was fascinating his knowledge of the game. It was uh, it was really a learning experience about you know why he was so good and why he had so much success. Now, when you got to the Cowboys, you're learning, like you said, Tom Landry's defense. Who was probably your most uh, influential uh, teammate that kind of helped you get started uh, with the Cowboys? No question, it was Randy White because that's who I played next to. Um, when I I was uh, Harvey Martin retired after my. Um, 
first year in the NFL after my rookie year. And um, Randy took me under his wings, uh, his wing, and um, taught me a lot about the defense. Actually, I started as a uh, second-year player, which is a little unusual on defense in the flex defense. All right, in 1985, I remember uh, the game that stands out most to me, I think it was 85, was against Washington where you sacked Joe Theismann five times? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, you want yes, to tell us a little bit about that game? That had well, to be one of the highlights of your career personally. It's kind of, well, it's one of those things where um, you um, get in a groove and everything you do works. And you know, people realize that Randy White had three and a half sacks we had between us. We had eight and a half sacks between us two on the uh, right side. And we just, everything we did was working. So, you know, you just, you don't have those games every week. But when you do, you enjoy them. And it's just like you're in that, you're just in that mode right there. Now, every team goes through ups and downs and definitely uh, changing of the guard. Uh, After being in the league for a few years, uh, new owner Jerry Jones comes in, uh, and they and he decides to let Tom Landry go. Uh, what was it like for you and for the locker room when you got got that news? Well, it was interesting because people don't know this, but we were going to change our defense to a three-four if uh, Coach Landry would have stayed. If he would have stayed, and I didn't know really where I fitted in a three-four because uh, I had been a D lineman, I uh, probably wasn't. Uh, big enough to be a, D, uh, a defensive end in there and then know about the outside linebacker. I didn't know what they were doing that, uh, in the new defense. But when Jimmy Johnson came in, it was uh, the Miami-style 4-3, which was perfect for my skill set. And actually, the first year uh, Jimmy came, I had 12-and-a-half, 11-and-a-half sacks. Yeah, in that first year, you guys go 1-15. You had a great season. How did Jimmy Johnson change the culture of the team? We know about the big trade with Herschel Walker, but what did he do behind the scenes to just kind of change the culture to turn the team around so quickly? Well, he had a, a way of doing things, and if you didn't do those things his way, to be honest with you, he was going to get rid of you. And then uh, the thing he always said that uh, we will practice like champions because we will be champions and we will play like them, and that was his uh, montage and everything, and that's what he believed in. And we did. We practiced hard, and um, eventually we became uh, Super Bowl champions, and that was his style. It was uh, fast, quick, and aggressive. It wasn't uh, – it was very physical, but it wasn't long practice. We didn't practice very long. We practiced hard. And that's what his big thing is. He didn't want us out there all day. He wanted us to practice hard and fast. Well, well, by 1992, Dallas had definitely become one of the top teams in the league. And the probably the as a as an NFL fan, the the games that I looked forward to the most, and I think it was the case for a lot of the country, was all the you know three years in a row the Dallas 49ers. Uh, NFC that's, championship. Yeah, because that's because you're a 49ers fan. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I definitely look forward I, I, to them, but I, I those really that, were Jim. the best games. Jim, I was a Bengals no, they fan. Were. They I, didn't, were. I didn't look forward to any to any games. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so what, was, what was that rivalry like for you? 
Well, we were at, both at the peak, of, um, obviously, of uh, the peak of the uh, album of our careers um, and players. We had the best players probably in the NFL at that time with the 49ers and the uh, Cowboys. And, you know, you had a lot of marquee players. So there was a – and it's competitive. It was competitive because of the history of both franchises. Obviously, uh, you know, the Cowboys with Coach Landry and the 49ers with uh, Bill Walsh. So that made it really uh, competitive because they were the kings at the time. And the only way to dethrone the king is to knock him off the throne, and that's what we were aiming to do. Yeah, and I, I don't think Jim was there in 94, were you, Jim, or were you? Yes. Oh, you were? Okay. So you still got two out of three against Matt's Niners, though, so that's yes, all right. Yes, yes, <laughs> But we go to 92, you guys had went through the 89 season, 1-15, and 15, to 90 season, I think you were 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, and actually, yes. if Troy Aikman stays healthy, you guys might have made the playoffs there, which people forget. Yeah, we, we missed it by one game. Play. We missed it by yeah. one game. And I think that last game, you ended up with Babe Loffenberg playing quarterback for uh, yeah, old Indiana Hoosiers. Against so. Atlanta. <laughs> the Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you end up at 91. You finally make the playoffs. You beat the Bears in a wild card. Get blown out yeah, by the Yeah, actually, it was kind of ironic because I broke uh, Jim Harbaugh's uh, shoulder in that game. Well, that was mean, Jim. <laughs> uh, just like I always tell John Elway when I see him. It was never personal. It was always business. Never personal. I kind of liked them. But then we get to the 92 season. You want to talk about the 92 season? And it had been a while since the Cowboys had been that good, probably about a decade, probably right after. I mean, 80 through 82, I know they were in a championship game every year. But what was it like for you to be on a team of that caliber? And just tell us what the atmosphere was around the city of Dallas. Well, the biggest thing was confidence, and that's what Jimmy did a tremendous job of is instilling confidence in us. And he believed that there was no game that we played that we would be out. He believed, and he made us believe that. He believed that we were the best team in the league, and he had that mentality. When we walked in there, he had expectations of us, and you had to meet those expectations. And that was the big thing with him. And he knew he had a great team, and he wasn't going to let that team uh, faltered in his mind, and he drove us hard. He drove us hard to the point that some guys didn't understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to – he knew we had a championship caliber team, and he knew that the 49ers were obviously the best team in the league, and he knew what we had to do to, to compete with them. Yeah, and you finally get to play in Super Bowl twenty seven. I mean, yes. you'd played your whole life to get to that point, probably dreamed of it when you were in high school. I mean, what was that day for you like? Well, honestly, I didn't dream of it when I was high school because I was dreaming about uh, girls at that time. But, uh, well, it was supposed to be girls <laughs> and the Super Bowl. <laughs> but if you get to the Super Bowl, you I get never all the girls you want, Jim. Huh? If you get to the Super Bowl, you get all the girls you want. Uh, <laughs> By that time, I was married, so, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but no, uh, the thing is, is that, uh, yeah, when you get there, and the, you realize it, and that's why I like outdoor venues for the uh, Super Bowl, because when those F-16s fly across, you, it makes you realize you're the only game on that day. You are the only game in town. Everybody 
that enjoys football is going to be watching you. And it's, it's, it's almost surreal. It was surreal when Michael Jackson was running through our locker room, you know. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's before the hair got on fire and stuff. So. But um, it was surreal being there and being in that atmosphere. But it was interesting because when we prepared ourselves, we had never, obviously the only one who had been there was Charles Haley. But we played harder, probably we practiced harder that week than we practiced the first week of the uh, season. It was pretty interesting. Well, now you never missed a game during the 12 years you played with the Cowboys. That does not happen by accident. How uh, was it more just uh, being prepared, the, the way that you were conditioned? Uh, what, what led to uh, that sort of uh, record for you? It's genetics, my parents. My parents are in their 80s and they're in good health. So I think it's, I think it was genetics. I don't think it's anything. I did work. I trained very extremely hard. I was I get up early in the morning. I do the Herschel Walker training when he was there, and I always have uh, trained hard to uh, prepare myself for the season. And I didn't have any. The worst injury I had is I broke my hand. Uh, Aaron Head Hayward stepped on my hand and broke it, but it, I played with a, uh, just a cast on. So I was blessed and. And I always trained as hard as I could in the off season to prepare myself for the season. Actually, I didn't uh, miss a game until um, my last year of playing when I had a, a scope on the knee. All right, so you get close to retirement. What made you decide to go into coaching? I know you became an assistant with the Cowboys for a number of years, and now you coach college football. Well, uh, they called me and asked me would I be interested in coaching. And um at that time, I asked them how much time I had, and they said about uh, four weeks. Said so I had a month, and I, I said, "Okay, let me think about this because I want to talk to my family and everything." Uh, I've been obviously playing all these years, and uh, they called me back in two weeks. They said, "Have you made a decision yet?" I said, "I thought I had four weeks." <laughs> Things change, <laughs> so I went over there and I and I worked with the Cowboys for. Uh, seven years, and then I um, took some time off. I wanted to watch my kids grow up, and then I went back into coaching and college coaching. Was it a hard adjustment for you to move from uh, from being a player uh, to a coach? Yeah, it, it was different because uh, what players don't realize is the hours that the coaches put in. They put on a lot more hours than even the players, not from a physical standpoint, but per preparation standpoint. And that's the thing that you don't realize until you get into coaching, how many hours that a, a coach uh, prepares for and the preparation that goes in it from a, a, a mental aspect. All right, so uh, we're getting ready to wrap it up. Uh, once again, it was great having you on the show, especially since, you know, you dominated Matt's 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Well, I am a uh, defensive line coach at the University of Colorado. Myself and Mike McIntyre, when I was at the Cowboys, worked for uh, Bill Parcells. And Mike's father was George McIntyre, who um, turned around uh, Vanderbilt when he was there. Mike's uh, dad was a longtime um, college coach, and um, we've been friends for quite a while. And um, right now I'm coaching the D-line there, and I'm 
out recruiting. I'm out recruiting, trying to find uh, special D linemen. Now, do you have a goal to get back to the NFL, or are you content where you're at? I'd love to be uh, have the opportunity to coach in the NFL. If the uh, if it arises, if it doesn't, then I've been blessed to have the opportunity to play and coach there. But I'd love to have the opportunity to get back to the NFL and coach. All right, Matt, you got any final questions for Jim? Well, no questions, but I just wanted to say, uh, first, it was an honor to have you on, even though, yeah, your team definitely uh, kicked my team's rear end for a couple of years there. But it was really well, great it, to, to talk to you about your career. And Go ahead. Well, it was great because – all of the fun part about it is we all had fun. I I was talking to a young man, and he was talking about Jesse Sapolo, who I obviously played against many years, and some of the guys that you played against. I'm friends with a lot of guys that were 49ers, and, you know, it was business. It was there, but we all enjoyed it. We competed, and we enjoyed each other and, and uh, competing against each other. All right. Well, um, yesterday – yeah, or the day before yesterday, I had one of your teammates, Tim Newsom, on. He said to tell you hi. Oh, okay. Tell Tim yes, hello. But, um, yeah, it was great having you on. would love to have you back sometime. I mean, especially we do a college football show, too, if you want to come on and talk about your Buffaloes during the season. Oh, no anything. question. The, hey, there's a Buffalo rising coming. Watch out for the Buffalo stampede. All right. They're going to get it back to, like, those McCartney days where you're kicking yes. everybody's butt? Yes. Yeah. This <laughs> is the new Coach Mac. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Jim. All right. Thank you. All thanks right. We'll much. talk to you later. All right. Take it easy. All right, guys. Remember, check out The Grueling Truth at thegruelingtruth.net. You can check us on iTunes, Google Music, Spreaker, Stitcher, just about anywhere you can find a sports podcast. Um, make sure you check out GridRMO, our main sponsor, at com. You can follow us at Grueling Truth. Um, Matt, you got any final words? Just another great interview, another great legend. Uh, appreciate uh, talking to him. And uh, <clears throat> those, were, uh, those were definitely some, some tough years, uh, some great games to watch. If you're, it doesn't matter what team you cheer for. Those were, those were great years in the early 90s to watch. And uh, always, always good to talk to a, to a legend. Yeah, and I think people forget just exactly how good he was. Right. Look at his I numbers. Mean, anybody gets over 100 sacks in their career. Yep. But, all right, guys, so make sure you check us out tonight on the Sports World Show with me and Aaron Zepnick. And coming next week or the week after, not sure, got to confirm it yet, will be former Cincinnati Bengal Pro Bowl quarterback Kenny Anderson. So for Jim Jeffcoat, Matt Andrews Scavage, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.